um, this morning's reading is taken from Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, and then 10 to 17. And if you're following in the Bible, from the, the, the church Bible, it's page 1196. 1196 to Timothy, chapter 3. Um, it's headed, Godlessness in the Last Days. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, as for us, Let us continue in what we have learned and have become convinced of because we know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everybody. From one little man to a big man, we're here together. (laughs) You've read in scripture there this morning the reason why we need a police force. But it's not just happened in Paul's day. That is really only a synopsis of what really the world is like. And here in Britain, just as bad. It misses out the things like uh, uh, sexual offences, dishonesty, cruelty to children, and so on, all of which are part of today's society. And this is, I'm sure, one of the reasons why Peter and the PCC agreed to have this series, Holy Habits. Now, he, Peter asked me today, although he's at a distance of 300 miles away for me to say this, but he would love everybody in church to have a copy of this book illuminates waiting at the door for you to go in there, queuing up perhaps at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning to buy your copy. They can get hold of them actually within 24 hours 
just called Holy Habits, Andrew Roberts. And the series for the next few weeks actually comes from this book, Holy Habits. Now this morning we've had a synopsis from 2 Timothy chapter 3, which is actually based originally from Acts chapter 2 verse 42, which Peter introduced last week. And he gave really an overview of the topics we're going to look at. And all of them are a a way of God speaking to us that we may be more useful in his service, not only in our own lives, but to the effect of helping others to know Christ. Now, I'm going back a a bit of time, but when I was in the first form at the grammar school, one of the subjects we had to learn was Latin. And I, Latin's a strange sort of language. I learned a little quip. Latin is a language as dead as dead can be. First it killed the Romans, and now it's killing me. And that's roughly how I felt. But I do remember the very first word that our master taught us, and it's the Latin word, discipuli, which means pupil, Or, as you can see, it's the original for disciple. And this is why we have this series, because we are pupils, we are disciples of the Lord Jesus. And our faith in him is based on the words of scripture, which we've already read. And I'm so grateful for the way that was read this morning. Having said that about Latin, I have to say this. When I was at university reading law, I was actually very glad that I'd already got a basic knowledge of Latin for so much of the law degree in the 13 different subjects that you have to study. Uh, Latin is there. It's a predominant word, language. Well, now, Peter encouraged us to purchase and reading, read the book, which I've mentioned to you. Uh, and building on Peter's introduction last week, we're encouraged as believers, as disciples, to mark and learn with holy habits what was not only strengthen our life, but enable that life to be seen by others who don't know Christ. I don't know whether you've seen it this morning, but looking at the news at 10 o'clock, uh, sorry, at 7 this morning, apparently there's been a survey that over 50% of the people in this country have no wish whatever to have, and this is the word they use, religion, but what it is saying is that the churches are emptying. As you probably know, we worship in a local church elsewhere in a village and in the nine years that we've been here as far as I can see not a new person has arrived and people are dying off I did say to the minister there some years ago uh, do you realize you're in a dying church and he said well what do you mean I said well surely a church should be outreaching meeting the people and here we are in a little village and we've got 17 people who come here regularly. In those days, there were 20 people, so we've lost three already, and it's not going to be long, I would guess, that the church is just going to be emptied out because there's no outreach. And one of the reasons we're going to talk about is this morning. So the basis of this this morning is in Acts chapter 2, as you've seen, but our reading with the background of what the world is actually like enables us to see that the conclusion from Paul to Timothy is that it's the word of God which is going to make the difference in us and through us to other people. Now, he, as a young believer, 
and note this importance for some of you who are mothers and some of you who are grandmothers. I don't know where this expression comes from, you teach your grandmother to suck eggs. I don't even know what it means. But for Timothy, it was his grandmother and his mother who, by reading the scriptures, introduced him to his Christian faith. Now, I think that's a real challenge to me as a grandfather. Sorry, as a great-grandfather. We've got five great-grandchildren. We love to see that our children and grandchildren are going to hear and read the word of God. And I guess that Timothy will be, would have been ever grateful for his mother and his grandmother. When our people we know lived in terrible times in those days, and please don't say that's a past tense because it's a very present tense and that's only a synopsis of the world in which we live. And especially that little phrase there, there are people who have a form of godliness but deny its power. And it's all very well to try and live a good life or even try and live a godly life. But if the power of the Holy Spirit is not in that life, it's going to have very little effect on us as believers and on other people who see us. But Paul, you see, underlined to Timothy that even stating that all who want to live a godly life in Christ will expect some persecution. And I think in this country we get away with it. Christians are not really persecuted here. I know some have been taken to court and what I think is very sad when our courts turn against living for Christ in an open way. But elsewhere in the world, and one could name North Korea or Iran or Iraq or Pakistan and so on, where if you are a Christian, you're noted. We have a letter every month from a couple in Egypt who face everyday persecution for not only where they live, but why they live, which is to teach the word of God. And they know they live in fear. So with that backcloth, Paul gives the central teaching, not only for Timothy, but for us as Christian believers, that we need to not only know some of the scriptures, but to read the scriptures daily. Don't please put your hands up, but... I believe that every one of us should every single day read the word of God and maybe have Bible reading notes. John Pook and I both read our daily bread. There may be others that do it as well. But we share that, what we've learnt ourselves. It's amazing. He'll read it one way and I'll read it another. And we've actually both learnt something different. I wonder how many of us do that. How many of us know the word of God. I was reading a little while ago of Pastor Richard Wormbrandt, who was himself incarcerated in prison for his faith in Romania in the days of Ceausescu. And Richard, of course, was treated so badly. He was in a cell which had no toilet. He was very rarely let out of it. You imagine the stench and the rats that were there for him. And he didn't have a Bible with him. One day he heard next door another cell being opened and a man thrust into it. And it was one of his guards who had become a Christian and, of course, who knew nothing of the Bible. So Richard Wormbrandt, without a Bible there, taught this man the Scriptures by shouting it out, 
not only to the prisoner next door who'd become a Christian, but to the other guards who were walking up and down and listening. And Richard Burnbrandt, in doing that, was able to do it because he had learnt, not only just read, he had learnt and digested the Holy Scriptures. The holy habit should not be new to us, I believe, because we know something of the wealth and the succor of the Word of God. And the basis of that, which is absolutely fundamental, that God has breathed in all Scripture. I do meet some people today, uh, and the Christian believers, who disregard and are suspicious of the Old Testament. I can't understand it. I had a police colleague who I knew had been converted, but he said, I never read the Old Testament because it's so out of date. God doesn't do anything that's out of date. The Old Testament is just as good for us today as the New Testament, and we should learn and digest it. What is it that undermines people's complete trust in Scripture? Do we not believe Isaiah 53? Some of you may have heard me say it before, but uh, the Lieutenant Governor of the Isle of Man was a man called Sir Lawrence New, a former army officer. And he was in Jerusalem as uh, one of the ambassador's staff, and he got to know the chief rabbi as friends. And one day at a dinner party, he said to the chief rabbi, why is it I have never heard in your synagogue preaching on Isaiah 53? That's quite a question. The chief rabbi's reply, in case it's true. What an incredible statement, in case it's true. We know it is true. That's exactly what Isaiah was given as a prophet. We surely have from the Old Testament so much which incorporates our faith Isaiah 53 is one place. Psalm 23. If Jesus quoted the scriptures, as he did so often and always to repel Satan, why not us? Now, I hope I'm not teaching you to suck eggs. You probably agree wholeheartedly. But please, if you are suspicious of the Old Testament, ask God, because he's inspired it right the way through. The Holy Spirit is to regularly, daily, sorry, the holy habit is to regularly, daily read and digest the word of God. Now I believe also that sharing our reading with other Christians is also a prime holy habit, hence the small groups. Peter, when I spoke to him last week, uh, asked me to emphasize the small groups Again, I don't want you to put your hand up, but seriously, he's a bit concerned that not everybody in the church goes to a small group. He doesn't know why, and I don't know why, but all I can say is that the small group is such a precious time where we love to sit and talk through the scriptures. There's nothing to fear there, and there's nothing to say that you've got to participate, but and in fact, you do participate because you're living and learning together. And this is what today is all about, being together in the Christian gospel. I believe that sharing our reading with other Christians is such a help 
In today's climate, worshipping in church and biblical teaching are both essential, but I think that small groups also fill in that gap between Sunday and Sunday. I recall that man whose son was healed by the Lord Jesus and who felt that he couldn't really believe that Jesus would do it, but then he saw his son healed and he said to Jesus, Lord, I do believe. Please help me to overcome my unbelief. And I think that's a prayer which we all need and it's a prayer I believe we could pray together in our small groups. Daily Bread, which I've mentioned, is read by many others, have this, these two things, a mission to make the life-changing wisdom of the Bible understandable and accessible to all, and our vision to see people of all nations experiencing a personal relationship with Christ, growing to be more like him and serving him in his local family. Amen too. That's absolutely right. That's why I read the scriptures. Right, four things. The Bible is a teacher, is for rebuking and correcting, and is also for training. Because the Bible is inspired by God, he teaches us about living, about speaking, about testifying, and living out the Christian life. The Christian life is not just a Sunday experience. It's a a seven-day-a-week experience, 24 hours a day. We need to be equipped by this teaching word to survive in the dark world in which we live, the dark world which has been read to us this morning. We only have to watch the news or listen to the news to hear of yet another disaster. And I have to admit that as a police officer years ago, to wake up every day and be met by the sergeant or if I was the one in charge to hear of yet another tragedy you have to wonder what the world's coming to my main role in life was anti-terrorism and terrorism in Northern Ireland for part of the time which came across to London and then in the ports and harbours of Europe and to see the evil in men and women sadly and often in teenage children, the evil which Satan has drummed up, that it doesn't mind, in fact, delights in killing others. This is the world in which we're living. And I believe the days are so urgent because Paul is saying, before Jesus comes, and all right, he said, I don't know when I'm coming again, except that these things will be happening when I come. So there's a need here, is there not? Not only to read the scriptures and to learn them, but to put them into practice. I read last week of a man called Carl Elsiner. Has anybody ever heard of Carl Elsiner? No, 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 I died until seven days ago. Carl Elsiner was a Swiss designer of surgical equipment in the 19th century. And he was asked by military authorities to, to design a weapon which would be useful to the troops. Well, he didn't want to design a weapon, but he spent years designing what we know today as the Swiss knife. The Swiss army knife has a variety of uses. You can count them. Knife blades, a saw, scissors, a magnifying glass, a tin opener, a screwdriver, a ruler, a writing pen, and wait for it, 
a toothbrush. Now you may wonder why on earth I mentioned a Swiss army knife here this morning. I believe that that says to us that the Holy Scriptures are useful for, and I could go through a whole list of things, useful for whatever situation in which we find ourselves. A daily habit in not only just reading, but learning and able to quote Scripture and rely on it, we are then equipped to enable others to know Christ. Perhaps I'm a bit cynical, forgive me if that's the case, but I do wonder why it is in some churches we have to announce the page number where the scripture is going to be found. If we read it every day, we know where it's found, in our own Bibles or in the Pew Bibles. Well, this morning we had 2 Timothy, and I know a lot of you found that. The Bible is a teacher, and secondly, the Bible is useful for rebuking. And that's about us and our imperfections. Scripture reveals to us where we go wrong, when we think wrongly, how we treat others badly. And the rebuke is from God. It's not from the preacher, since God has inspired the Scriptures. Now, we are watched by people who know us as Christians. And I can certainly remember in my days in the police service where to be a Christian police officer was not a popular thing. And it was incredible how quickly they would point out something which one had done wrong. And at a reunion just a couple of years ago, I met a man there who probably gave me the worst time of my life. He was an ex-serviceman, a swearer, a man who drank far too much, and he didn't like Christians, and he made sure that I knew that. At the reunion, this little man, he's older than me, walked up to me and wanted to shake my hand, and I must admit I was a bit hesitant. And he said, Robin, you may not remember me. Little did he know, I remembered him every day. I'm Ray Smith, he said. I was the one who tormented you. I want to tell you that when you left the police station, (laughs) I love that bit, when I left the police station, When you left the police station, Robin, I was converted. And he and his wife came to know Christ and became missionaries, and they were now home on furlough, incredibly, from the Far East. Now, I didn't think I'd done anything to help that man, but somehow or other, the Bible, in rebuking me and my way of Christian life, inevitably, other people have noticed it. The Bible is a teacher, useful for rebuking, and the Bible is correcting We learn from our Bible reading about maybe our sinful failures and how God speaks to the heart and the mind in his own way. And how he speaks to us, he speaks to others too. If we're not careful, we go uncorrected and therefore our witness is tainted. When we fall from his high standards, it actually is not only for us that the thing is wrong, but it's what other people see in us. What do our neighbours think about us? What do our colleagues think about us? What do our children think about us when we, as our Christian life, are not taking God's correction? His correction is able to work wonders in others as well as ourselves. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25, these words, the word is correcting those who are in opposition that they might repent. 
As a senior police officer, I regularly reminded my colleagues in our morning meetings something that they should have learnt on their first day of training. And I did actually learn it, but I've got to read it this morning because I've nearly forgotten it. Police officers must remember that it's their duty to protect and help members of the public, no less than to bring offenders to justice. In other words, people matter. God so loved the world, not just a few people in the world, not people in Christchurch, not people who are good living. He loved the whole world and the very people about whom Paul was talking in this passage, the ones who are absolutely anti-God. God loves them. And I say again, people matter. People matter as we walk ourselves, if we walk the talk and reveal our faith in Christ. Finally, I think the Bible is training in righteousness. We cannot hope to live a holy life without the strength of the Holy Spirit and interpreting those scriptures in our hearts and in our minds. How much of God is revealed in us, in our way of living? We cannot hope to live a truly upright life unless God's Holy Spirit gives us the strength to do that. Remember again, Scripture is God-breathed, inspired by God, and therefore he inspires us through it. Let me just finish like this. When I was a young PC, and I remember it very, very clearly, I was talking to a man in a park because a girl who was looking after children said, I don't like the look of that man there. Can you get rid of him? Well, you can't just get rid of people like that. So in my full uniform, I went and sat next to him, much to his surprise. It was quite interesting, really, how long it took for him to say anything to me. But eventually we had a conversation, and I said, come on, I think we ought to go. And I didn't tell him the reason why. As we walked out of the park opposite London Zoo, I gave him my New Testament. And that was it, as far as I was concerned. I didn't know who he was until months later when I was not walking the beat I was actually in the area car with a flat cap on rather than a helmet I saw this guy walking down the road on the other side and I said to Ron Bishop my driver can you do a U-turn quickly I want to speak to that guy there now don't don't do what we did you're not supposed to do U-turns like that but if you're a policeman you can and so we did a U-turn and rolled up alongside him and as I wound the window down This fellow, because he didn't recognize me at all, but somehow he got his head and his hand and a New Testament and thrust it in front of us. And I sort of sat back and he said something like this. One of your colleagues gave me this little book some while ago. I want to tell you it's made a man of me and he can make a man of you too. (laughs) There's great fun in being a policeman, I can tell you. Right, I'm just closing now. We talked about the Old Testament earlier on, and this is so pertinent. Joshua, when about to enter the promised land, was commanded by God in these words, Be strong and courageous. Do not let the book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, and then you will act wisely. So at the start of this series, we all need to, and I I say to myself as well, examine ourselves to see if we've really got into the holy habit 
of reading scripture daily and the desire of the pastor to join a small group so that we can talk together. You'll read, when you buy this book, and I'm sure you're now going to buy it because I've told you to, the, <laughs> you'll see here uh, something which might be a guide for you. It's the words O-R-I-D, ORID. When I saw that, I said, we ought to put an H in the front of that. be horrid. But you can say that. But ORID is just this. Observe what you're reading. Reflect how you feel after the reading. Interpret what we understand from that reading and then make the decision to walk by that. These matters are going to be discussed in small groups this week, but I want to finish with this short prayer which this morning in my reading from Daily Bread enabled me just to finalise what we said this morning. So let's pray. Lord, today... We want our lives to sow good seeds in those around us. Help us to give out what you have put into us. In Jesus' name, amen.